Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning, everyone. Great day. Good to see there's plenty of um, vacant chairs around this morning because we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, my background is was teaching, so... Um, I'm always looking at new ways of doing things. So this morning I want to do a little bit of a shuffle before you make yourself too comfortable. I'm going to do a little bit of a chair shuffle this morning. What I'd like you to do is to maybe allow one or two chairs between where you are and maybe move a row ahead. But I'd like you to find someone that you don't know or haven't spoken very much to and just sit down with them this morning because I need you to participate in my message this morning so don't be shy just there's someone you don't know if you know everyone that's fine I'm sure there are people here that you haven't spoken a lot to just move around a little bit And I understand that uh, some of you might be a little bit uh, hesitant, a little bit reluctant, but you know what? Sometimes we need to just be moved around a little bit. Okay, grab a seat, make yourself comfortable, because we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead us. Father God, we just thank you for the service this morning. We thank you for the work that you are going to do. We thank you. Lord, I lay down my preconceived ideas and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you be my leading as we go through your message this morning. Lord, I just pray that every one of us will be touched in some way by your word this morning, that your word will come alive into our lives this morning. And Lord, that we will listen to your Holy Spirit and be led by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. There is one thing I want you to, I do want to do, and I'd like you all to support me in this. Pastor Steve's had a pretty rough week with a crook back. And um, just as we were coming in, I could see the river rising and there's a whole lot of talk about the flood being on. So I'd like this morning for us to flood heaven with our prayers. Our prayers for Pastor Steve, that he'll be restored. Father God, you are almighty in every way. Lord Jesus, you have paid the price You have taken away, you've paid the price for all the illnesses, for all the sickness. You've paid the price for everything that we have carried. And Lord, I can just bring Pastor Steve before you this morning and I just pray for a total healing. Lord, nothing less than a total healing for his back. Lord, I just pray that every 
muscle will be restored, every sinew will be restored, every bone will go back into its rightful place. And I speak to the spirit of infirmity and I say, you go in the name of Jesus. You have no authority. You have no authority. I cut it off his life right now and I say, be healed, be restored, be made whole in the name of Jesus. Lord, we stand united in this church and we pray. We flood heaven with our prayers. And Lord, throughout the week, every time we think of the flood or every time we think of Pastor Steve, we bring him before you with our prayers and we pray for total restoration of his body. Thank you, Lord, that he is the one that you have ordained to lead this church. And Lord, we stand before behind him we support him and we uphold him in prayer right now and we command a healing in the name of Jesus Lord we expect to see the miracles work out we expect to see him healed whole and back leading his church leading your church for your glory father not for us but for your glory in Jesus name we pray thank you guys the um, scriptures that uh, my message is coming out of today is John 13. And I don't know how many of you have really looked into John, but uh, John's gospel is somewhat different to the other three synoptic gospels. And John, when I was thinking about it, I'm saying, why is this so much different to all the others? And the insight that I was getting was that uh, John wrote this quite some time after the other Gospels. And it was almost like, I'm going to fill in all the gaps that the other guys hadn't mentioned. I'm going to give you another glimpse. But I'm going to give you a glimpse of heaven and I'm going to give you a glimpse of Jesus from a heavenly perspective and where he's sitting and what he's doing. And so we not only have the Gospel of John, we then have 1 John, 2 John, and we have Revelations. And in his writings, I can see that what he's done is given us a true picture of where Jesus is in, heaven, in the heavenly realm. But then I was going through John 13, and that was uh, what I felt. And the one theme that John... Right throughout his Gospels, the theme of John is love. And if we go back, what is the theme of our Heavenly Father? Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love, that's the theme, that's where we're at. And when we look at uh, John's Gospel... There's over 80 times that he actually mentions love. We look at the other three Gospels and it's about 40 between the whole three. It's actually recorded in history that the last three years of John's life, and he lived to be over 100, even though they dipped him in boiling water and he came out, they couldn't uh, kill him because that wasn't God's will. Um the last three years, it's reported that all he ever spoke on was love. Love for one another. Love for one another. 
And that's what uh, the message today is about. I, I want to really focus on John 13, but there's a couple of passages in it that really stood out to me. Um, when we look at John 13, I'll just take you through the key points here. The scene is set and it's the Last Supper. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Then Jesus overcomes Peter's objection to being washed and he predicts his betrayal. Next, Jesus explains what he, he did and calls on his disciples to follow. And then in John 13, 15 to 17, he gives us the importance of following Jesus as an example of humble service. We need to be humble and we need to serve one another. 21 to 26, Jesus, Jesus identifies Judas as the betrayer and shows Judas love for the last time. Right up until that point, there was the opportunity for Judas to change his mind. Right up until that point, you know, I've, I've thought, well, if Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, how could he wash his feet, treat him with love? Because I don't think I'd be able to do that. And then John 13, 33, Jesus plainly reveals that he's going to be leaving and it's at this point that Judas leaves. And then in John 34, Jesus gives a new commandment. And that's where I want to kick off. John 13, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love what, if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Now, I was reading out of the Amplified. I wonder why Jesus waited till Judas left to actually issue that new commandment. And I believe that what was happening here is saying, guys, you're my closest followers. You're my church. I don't want anything in my church that's going to disrupt you. But I want you to be united. I need you to be one. And the way that everyone's going to know that you are one is that if you love one another. And I've just showed you, I've just modelled it for you. I showed you what to do. I was your servant. I've shown you what to do. Here's Judas. Now, remember John's writing 30, 40 years after the event. Here's Judas. He's betraying me. He's going to see that I'm taken to the cross because of his testimony or false testimony. But at the same time, what I'm actually doing here is I'm not going to get just put him by the wayside. I'm still going to love him. I'm still going to serve him like I served everyone else. That's an example for us. Regardless of who people are, we still need to serve if we are going to be called Christians. 
But I want to unpack the scripture a little bit because it says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, if we go back to when Moses' commandments were given, commandment number eight was, thou shalt love thy neighbour. So, was it actually new? Well, in a way it was because what had happened over a whole period of time is that that commandment had been changed. People had corrupted the whole concept of, you know, love thy neighbour. There was still animosity, there was hatred, there was a whole lot of things going on. So, in a, in a way, Jesus was saying, guys, this is new. I'm giving it to you. I'm your Lord and Saviour and I'm telling you what I want you to do. I'm giving you this new commandment. The old law of revenge, gossip, slander, misinterpretation, all of that's gone from today. I'm giving you a new commandment. It's got to be different. Let's take it on from a different perspective. And then if we look at 1 John 2, he actually explains that scripture. Because he says, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the message which you have heard uh, before from us. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true and realised in Christ and in you. Because the darkness or moral blindness is clearing, uh, clearing away and true light, the revelation of God in Christ, is already shining. The one who says that he is the light is, con is consistent fellowship with Christ and yet habitually hates, works against his brother in Christ, is in the darkness until now. So... If there was hate there, we might say it's a new commandment, but in actual fact, it wasn't a new commandment. It's only when we have the love of Christ that it becomes a new commandment. You see, in Moses' days, the law of brotherly love had been forgotten. It was out of date. Now, Jesus is saying to his intimate group, guys, it's new. It's something that I've got for you. As Christ gives it, it's new before it was old. The other thing that really comes out of that is the old commandment was thou shalt not. The new commandment is saying we have a mutual obligation, a mutual duty for one another. Love one another. So I love you and you love me back. It's not just, I must love you. As I have loved you, that was the new commandment. The old rule of having to be loved or loving for get something back was gone. And Jesus modelled it. He modelled it for the disciples. He modelled it for us if we bother to take it on board. How did he model it? Well, he spoke kindly to his disciples concerning himself and their welfare. John 13, 33. Little children, I'm with you only a little 
longer. You will look for me, as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. He instructed them, the Sermon on the Mount, there's so much instruction there on the way to do life differently if you bother to uh, go through it. He counselled and comforted them. John 13, 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you'll be able to follow me later. He prayed with them and for them. He taught them the Lord's Prayer. He vindicated them when they were accused. Matthew 9, 14. Then the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus asking, why do we and the Pharisees often fast as a religious exercise, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus re, uh, replied to them, can the guest of the bridegroom mourn? Only the bridegroom is with them, while the bridegroom is with them. The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. So he stood up for them. He took their part when they were run down. He publicly owned them to be dearer to him than his mother or sister or brothers. He reproved them for what was amiss. And the disciples went and woke him saying, this is in Matthew 8, 25 lord save us we are going to die he said to them why are you afraid you men of little faith then he got up and rebuked the wind and seas and there was at once a great and wonderful calm a perfect peacefulness why are you of little faith that's what he said he was compassionate he excused them he made the best of them he passed by many of the oversights. When John and uh, James wanted to call down fire on the village after they'd been out preaching, he said, no, hang on a minute. No, no, that's, guys, you got it all wrong there. We're supposed to love these people. It's not about calling down fire to destroy your enemies. That's not the way of heaven. So he's, he's correcting them. And that's what he does with us whenever we do something wrong. He'll just pull us back into line, but not in a way that's going to destroy us. We must have love. Jesus did not say, they know you by your miracles. In 35, by this everyone will know that you are my apostles if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Love and unselfish concern for one another. And it, remember, he is talking to his intimate group. He's talking to his disciples. We saw this out work in Acts where the disciples all got together, they shared, they met with one another. That's what he was talking about. Brotherly love is the badge of a Christian disciple. It's the distinguishing characteristic of disciples. And I know at times I think my badge has been uh, somewhat tarnished. It hasn't been where it should have been. 
It's a true honour of a Christian disciple to excel in brotherly love. Nothing will be more effectual than this to recommend them to the esteem and respect of others. See what a powerful attractive it was, Acts 2, 46, 47. Tertullian speaks of it um, at the time of the primitive church. Now, he was one of the early uh, writers of the early church and he said, this is what the early church did. Day by day they met in the temple. They continuing with one uh, with one mind and breaking bread in various private houses. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favour with the people. And the Lord kept adding to their numbers daily. Mm. Very interesting. Now, I want to go back to 13.1. Right at the start. Now, before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his hour had come and it was time for him to leave the world and return to the Father. Having greatly loved his own who were in the world, he loved them and continuously loves them with the perfect love to the end of eternity. So, 1333 is telling us that we must love one another. But the chapter actually starts off that, hey, Jesus loved us. I wonder what would come to your mind if you knew that you only had hours or maybe a day to live. Who would you spend time with? Now, Jesus spent time with his closest disciples. But as we go through that, passage we can actually see and remember we're looking back now through the cross the shadow of the cross is in those words his hour had come love them to the end depart this world so the cross is what actually takes us through that and Jesus showed his love to his, to his disciples. He chose them. He gave himself to them. The Father gave them to him. He would soon purchase them. He conquered them, changed their way of thinking and acting, and they yielded themselves to him. Now, I'm going to go through those again, and I want you to sort of stop and think. He chose them. Scripture says that we are chosen by God. He chose us before we chose him. Right? So we're no different. We've been chosen. Jesus gave himself for us. The Father has given us to, to him. He has purchased us with his blood. He has changed our way of thinking. If you don't think differently whenever you read through the Bible, then the Bible is not reading you because all of us have ideas, we have philosophies, we have things that we've heard that need to be adjusted. And sometimes it can be a long lesson. 
And I was pondering this week over why is it, what is it in me that makes me want to rush and do things and always be on the go? Because I don't believe that's the way of the kingdom. Work, work, work. And I was asking that this week and the Holy Spirit took me back to when I was growing up. Took me back to what I was taught by my family. And I thought, that's something that I've got to break. I'm not going there anymore. I've got to stop the works, do, 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 and take time to enjoy the ride. And that came out of just asking the Holy Spirit. I really, to be honest with you guys, I really struggled with this message. It's been quite a long time since I gave a message and I thought, I can't do that. And then the Holy Spirit said, well, are you doing it or me? <laughs> so I thought, okay, where do we go from here? I don't have an answer. I thought, well, I'll try and do what you give me. You see, we've been chosen. We've been chosen. He loved them continuously, loves them with his perfect love to the end of eternity. That's what Jesus was saying, love them to the end. Not just to the end of the day, but to the end of eternity, which encompasses each and every one of us here today. He loves us to the end, regardless of what we've done. Doesn't matter. He has washed us clean with his blood to the end. He loves us to the end of love. And love never stops. Love never stops. Those of you that have got children and grandchildren, when you've got one, you love that one. The second one comes along, your love actually doubles. Third one comes along, it triples. So the more people come into your life, the greater the amount of love that comes into you, that you experience and that you have the capacity to give out. That is the love of God. That's what God's like with us. His love never, ever ends. It's to the fullest extent. It is way, way beyond what our minds can even comprehend. I just want to spend a moment or two on agape as opposed to filio. And I know many of you have heard of it, but the one thing that came out to me as I was going through agape love was that that is the love that is given, that empowers us through the Holy Spirit. It is the love that we have but it comes, when we accept Jesus, then the Holy Spirit empowers us with agape love. Love that we do not understand. It's a, an agape is a verb. It means to love unconditionally and sacrificially as God himself loves sinful men. The way he loved his son. John 3.35. MacArthur, John MacArthur commented in the New Testament, one of the commentaries says, Agape 
expresses the ideal kind of love, that which is exercised by the will rather than emotion, not determined by the beauty or desirability of the object, but by the noble intention of the one who loves. And if we go through scripture, we find that agape love is com commanded of believers, John 13, 34, 15, 12 and 15, 17. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit in the heart of a surrendered saint. Galatians 5.13 and 14. It's commanded of spirit-filled husbands for their wives as Jesus demonstrated for his bride, the church. Um, Ephesians 5.25. It's the love which the Father loved the Son and with which... Uh, me, uh, maybe believers can join in john 17 26 it's a debt that we are always seek to repay but can never fully discharge romans 13 8 it is taught by god 1 titus 4 9 it's manifested by specific actions and attitudes 1 corinthians 13 4 it's shown not just by words but by deeds 1 John 3.17. It's manifested by keeping God's commandments, John 14.15. It was the response of Jesus uh, called for to demonstrate towards his enemies, Matthew 5.44. There's quite a few others, but I just want to sort of stop there because... Most of us understand the filio kind of love. And that is, it's a response to other people. It's the kind of love where I say, I'll love you if you love me. And that's not spirit-led love. So I want to just spend a, a couple of minutes on having a look at the application. And maybe it's just the nature of the way I operate there's no point reading something if you can't apply it it's just theory and if it's theory then I struggle with it because it's just not my makeup so I'm going to look at three ways that we can actually apply this and there are several more and I'd like you to be led by the Holy Spirit the first one and I believe the most important one is to develop intimacy with Jesus with our Father and with the Holy Spirit. If you want to really experience agape love, then you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that can only come through intimacy with God. How do we do that? We listen to his word. What's he actually saying? What's he saying? I need to spend time not only reading the word, but also spend time clarifying what God is saying to me. You see, I knew that I was impatient. I knew that, that God loved me up here. But when I was praying one morning and he said to me, I love you, you are my son, the next thing was, well, why do I need to know that in here? 
because he was using that to actually correct some of the beliefs that have been stored up here. And I know that my father loved me, but he showed it in different ways. And I don't think that I really understood the love of the father. And Jesus is saying, God's saying to me now, I need you to understand my love. But that only comes out of conversation. It only comes out of conversation. Don't be scared. And I'll be totally honest with you. I am at times fearful of what God's going to say to me. Why? Because I was fearful of what my father's reaction was going to be. And that has to break. That has to break. So where are these fears coming from? Because my father in heaven is different to what my father on earth was. We are all flawed. We are all flawed. But not our father in heaven. So it's that conversation. Why do I need to know what you are saying to me? What's the importance of this? You're talking to me now. You're telling me to stop. You're telling me to go. You're telling me to go and pray for someone. Why do I need to do that? And that's quite okay to ask the questions. You're not being disobedient by asking the question. Some of you people are probably like me that need to understand the why behind the what. When I understand that, it becomes so much easier. But it can only come out of intimacy. And it will only come out of intimacy when you spend time. Something that I felt the Holy Spirit saying this morning was, how much time do we spend on these things? On FaceTime? Do you FaceTime God? Do you, you know, communication? I'm really concerned about the next generation, the younger generation. I'm the oldies and I, I had to learn the basics and all I know is the basics of this. Believe me, I don't know probably more than 1% of what it can do. I can make a call, I can send a text, I can uh, check my emails. I don't know a lot of other stuff. I love the Bible in it because I can go from one to the other and I've actually downloaded another one now that I can get more out of. But how much do we communicate through a phone rather than communicate face-to-face, rather than actually talking to our Father God. Now, there's nothing wrong with you sending God a text. Do it. Write it down. Send him a text and listen for the, for the answer because he will blow you out, out of the water and you will get an answer. But intimacy... We need to develop intimacy. The second application was serving others. And if we go through the washing of the feet, we can see how Jesus served others. You see, Jesus rose from supper, a place of rest and comfort, just as he rose from his throne in heaven to come to earth. He could have stayed in heaven. 
But sometimes when we're serving, we may need to leave the comfort, get out of our comfort zone. I asked you this morning to actually move next to someone that you didn't know yet because we're going to get there. That's going to be our last exercise today. But I'm moving you out of your comfort zone because if we're going to serve others and serve one another, it's not always going to be easy. Jesus laid aside his garments. He took off his covering. Just as Jesus laid aside the glory that he had, he took off his heavenly coat to come to earth. We need to take our position, our fears and our concerns and what's holding us back and our insecurities and give them to God and say, okay, I might find it difficult to go and talk to this person, to ask them questions, but I'm going to do it regardless. Jesus took a towel and girded himself. He got himself ready for work. Jesus took the form of a servant and he came ready to work. He left heaven and he came down. And if we're going to serve others, we may need to get ourselves ready. We may need to learn a few more skills. We may need to do things a little bit differently. We may need to give up some time. Jesus poured water into a basin ready to clean. Just as he poured out his blood to cleanse us of all guilt and the penalty of sin. Now serving others is going to cost you. But are you going to consider the cost? Or are you going to ask the Father? And once the job is done, he sat down again. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. So everything he did in that scripture, he actually modelled in heaven. The last point I want to make is generosity. I want to talk about what happens with generosity. What is your perspective? Because sometimes we need to have a change of perspective when it comes to generosity. Deuteronomy 2.18, very interesting. But remember, the Lord your God for this, he is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. God gives you the ability to produce wealth. Why does he give you the ability to produce wealth? So that you can be generous. Generous to his kingdom. So God has favoured us. He has given us that ability and the opportunity to create wealth. So we can do more for other people. Generosity provides the ability to do more. There'll be more food in my house, he goes on to say. God has given us the 
ability to create wealth so that we can make the world a better place. Not just the church, but the world around us. Some very interesting statistics when it came to generosity. They actually found in a survey that um, 51% of atheists, non-believers, will give to a cause. 71% of non-practising believers, the ones that don't go to church, non-practising believers, will give to a cause. 91% of practising believers will give to a cause. So in Christianity, we should be generous. But it's really about the character. It's about the character of the individual. 2 Corinthians 9 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all time, having all that you need, you will abound in every good works. In all things. Those that have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. So, generosity is something that as Christians we should really, should be part of our character. It should be who we are, not what we do. It's about who we are. So if you see a need, fill it. doesn't matter where you are, just fill it. Generosity creates opportunities. The human imagination has been provided by God. He has hidden so much for those that believe. So what's he hidden for you, not from you? And this is the problem that sometimes we have to get our head around. God has hidden things for us so that as we find, as we look for them, we will actually find them. Some interesting uh, findings. Generous people have more joy, more hope, are kinder and more compassionate and are more fully alive. You've been given the gifts of God. You have intelligence, education, passion, imagination, ingenuity. Maybe that was a gift for you. But maybe, just maybe... It was a gift that God gave you to share with the world around you. So how generous are you with your time? How generous are you with your words? How generous are you with your hope? Because I'm going to pray in a moment and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you can be generous. 
But I want you to be, I want the Holy Spirit to show you where you can be generous in your language, in your hope, to the person that you don't know yet, the people that you have sat beside. This will give you an opportunity as a church to get to know someone, be generous with your time, but more importantly, be generous through what the Holy Spirit gives you. It'll give you the chance to break down some of those barriers, some of those fears that you might have. And I want to leave you with a parting word for this week as you go out there. Do a little more than you're paid to. Give a little more than you have to. Try a little harder than you want to. Aim a little higher than you think possible. And give a lot of thanks to God for health, family and friends. Be kind wherever possible because it's always possible. So I want to pray now for the Spirit to show you where you can be generous to the person beside you. And I'm not talking money here, guys. I'm talking about words. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about getting to know people around you. Getting to know our church because, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, this church is going to be a totally different church in two years' time. And we need to be in tune with this scripture. We need to love one another because it's that love for one another, the love for our brothers and sisters in here that is going to change Mildura. Because people will look at us and say, what is it about River Edge? And it is the love that we have for one another. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word this morning. I ask that it will go out and be received into the hearts of your people. But Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you move through your people this morning and show them, show them where they can be generous to the person beside them. Show them the hope that they have in you, Lord Jesus. Show them what you have done, Father. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, your word does not return void, but it accomplishes what you have sent it out to accomplish. So Lord, I ask that you drop away anything that I've said that was not of you and allow your Holy Spirit to just minister to everyone. Thank you, Father. I'd like to just allow you a minute or two to hear from the Holy Spirit. But then I want to release, I pray for a release, Holy Spirit, a release of tongues, an opening of ears, that we may speak words of encouragement to one another, to the people around us, that we may get to know who they are and that we may see them the way that you see them the wonder that is in each person that we are sitting beside. Thank you, Lord.
share with the person beside you whatever the Holy Spirit gave you. Share it with those around you. If nothing else, get to know them. Speak to them. Find out who they are. Because the Word says that we are all children of God. So you're sitting next to your brother or sister. How well do you know your brother or sister? Time for us to get to know each other a little better. Thank you. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.